Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Are you good? My name is Anna. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it is an absolute joy and delight to be with so many of you here in the room and those who are watching online. As you can see, we are in Vision Month, and uh, it's an exciting time where we get to focus and see what God is calling us to. And so I thought I'd start this morning. I always like to give you a little bit of insight into my life. It's a way that we get to know each other in this way. Uh, But one of my favorite things to do is to jump in the car and just go for a drive. Does anyone else in the room just love just switching off, just going for a drive? Okay, about five of you. Cool. So um, I love to just get in the car. I live down in the southern end of the Gold Coast, so... I can jump on the M1 and in about 10 minutes, I can be surrounded by rolling hills and green pastures in northern New South Wales. I can see kind of you cruising along and just get to pass green grass instead of concrete. It is a delight. And I love looking out and you can kind of see the horses go by. You can see the fields of sheep go by. And then you can see my absolute favorite, which is the cows. I love the cows. Why do I love the cows? Because randomly, there's always ducks where there are cows. Have you ever noticed that? What an unusual combination. And so I kind of asked the question, why are there ducks where there are cows? And I remember back to my year five science class. And I remember this because it was the biggest word that I knew how to say, but I learned in year five about symbiotic relationships. The only reason I remember it was because it was a proud moment for me. Uh, But symbiotic relationships, in case you can't remember, are the time when you have two different biological animals who interact with one another cows and ducks, ducks and cows. And what happens is they actually live in a way in sync together so that they mutually benefit one another. So how does that work? Cows produce waste, which attracts insects and flies, which the ducks eat. They spread the waste around. It fertilizes the grass. Grass grows more Cows eat more, produce more waste. You get where I'm going. So mutual beneficial reactions are happening here along the side of the road on the M1 in northern New South Wales. So why do I tell you about symbiotic relationships other than to just sound really smart, as smart as a fifth grader one could say? And I say that because cows are better because ducks are in their lives. And ducks are better because cows are in their lives. They are better together. They are forming this relationship where they interact and they actually help one another out. And do you know what? I'll let you in on a secret. This doesn't just happen for cows and ducks. It happens all over the animal kingdom. And if we're doing something right, which doesn't happen all the time, but we too as humans can enjoy this idea that we are better together. You know, you and I are better than just me alone. And we actually can form these relationships where we mutually benefit one another, where we can live in community because community matters. So we're in Vision Month, as I said, and last week, Pastor Michael kind of opened this up and we looked at what it means to be a community that gathers the lost. And I love Vision Month because it's a time where we can, we can stop We can assess where we are. We can think for a moment, okay, where is God wanting to take us? We can see clearly because God puts this thick 
God lends in front, which magnifies the future, which helps us to see into the distance and gives us a direction for where he wants to take us. And so a priority for us this year is to gather the lost. And so if you were with us last week, you would have heard that Michael's sharing on that, the idea that we don't want to just kind of be insular. We don't want to just kind of do what we do here in the room or online, but we actually want to take this good news of the gospel to the lost. The second thing that we want to prioritize as a community is to glue into community. Everyone say glue into community. Well done. So we are a church that glues into community. And so we're going to unpack what that means for us today. And I want to give you three reasons why this is important, why we should prioritize that this year. The first reason you can see on the screen is it's because it's how we are created. We are created for community. The second reason why we want to, as a church, prioritize gluing into community is because it helps us become more like Jesus. And third, I believe that we want to prioritize that because it provides a roadmap to health. These are the three reasons that we're going to look at this morning as we journey along this together. So first reason is how we are created. Genesis 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, we have this verse in chapter 1 that says that we are created for community. It says this, you can follow on the screen. Oh, you can follow on the screen. There we go. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So who's saying this? God is saying this as he's creating uh, all the world and creation and humankind. He says, let's make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And so I don't know if you've ever wondered who the plural is in this, who is the our in, in God, but what we see is a glimpse at the very beginning of the word in scripture, in the very beginning in creation, we get to unveil behind the mystery of who God is and see that there's actually a relational dynamic. There's actually this idea that if there's our, if there's a sense of God the Father, Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit, there's this idea of relationship from the very, very beginning. We get a glimpse not only into relationship, but we get a glimpse into God in his very essence being love. Because have you ever thought about this? You can only express love if you have someone to love. What's the point of loving if you've got no one to point your affection towards? And at the very essence of our God, some people will say our triune God, it's just a academic way of saying the Godhead, uh, the Trinity, but our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in the essence relationship. He is love. I love how theologian Stanley Gren says it like this. He says, because God himself is triune, we are in the image of God only as we enjoy community with others. He goes on to say this, as we live in love, that is, as we give expression to true community, We reflect the love that characterizes the creator himself. And as we reflect God's character, which is love, we also live in accordance with our own true nature. So as we prioritize community, as we look at what it means for us to live in this way, not for ourselves, but also for one another, it's how we were designed from the very beginning, how we were created. We were created to reflect 
God's image, which is love, which is relationship, which is community. So it should feel at home within us. It's how we are designed. You know, the Church of Jesus Christ is not a club that we join. It's not something that we turn up to just because it's fun and and we can see our friends and um, it's a thing to do on a Sunday morning. But rather, we do it because this is an environment where we can be who we have been created to be. We can express worship and love and adoration as as we've just done in worship. But we also got to get to express love, community, and, and service of one another. When we gather like this, it is because it's how we were created, to worship God and to love and to serve one another. So reason number one, we are created for community. Therefore, we want to prioritize being who we were made to be, to love God and to love one another. Have you ever noticed that a community kind of can affect how you view things? Let let me give you an example. Uh, The community around a product can influence a product. You know, tomorrow, spoiler alert or reminder alert, is Valentine's Day. And so many of you maybe have booked a restaurant. Nope. Pastor Michael. Perhaps you are thinking, oh, where can we go on a special dinner or a date? And uh, perhaps you've thought about this restaurant and you've thought, yeah, apparently they've got amazing food. The best food on the Gold Coast, let's go there. So you get ready, you get in your car, you turn up to this restaurant and you're surprised because the restaurant on the left is packed, the restaurant on the right is packed, and the restaurant that you've chosen is completely empty. I can bet in that moment, it doesn't matter how good the food is, you don't want to go to that restaurant anymore because nobody's there. The community around something can affect it. People can judge the product based on the community around it. And what kind of terrifies me or uh, excites me is what happens if people treat Jesus or receive the gospel based on the community around it? What kind of community then do we want to be? Do we want to be a community that reflects Jesus and therefore people are enticed and they want to come in and and try the food, if you will? They want to try and see who Jesus is because the community around it is amazing? Or when they turn up, are they put off by the community and think, well, there seems to be a disconnect here between what I have heard about Jesus and then the people that surround him? Community matters. Community is important. And we as a church want to prioritizing gluing people into good community so that they can try and taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to reflect who God is in a good way. You know, there's a pastor in the States who is passionate about relationships and passionate about community. And, and he's done some research and he says that, you know, people might turn up for preaching, they might turn up to hear the gospel, but do they stay for that? You know, we might think, oh, it's all good, good and well. If you just preach the gospel, people will come. If, if we just invite the lost, people will come. But the question is, will they stay? Will they stay? And this pastor, Michael Todd, he says that in the first year of someone coming to a church, if they make seven friends, they'll stay. But if they don't make seven friends, they're likely to leave. 
And so I think that's pretty big stakes. How are we as a church going to make sure that people find a sense of belonging, who have a sense of commitment, and who are part of the family so that they stay on their discipleship journey, so that they can be a part and glued into community so that we can see more people more like Jesus. So let's be people who prioritise community and want to see everyone glued into community. Jesus paints it a beautiful way. He says that in John 13, he says that everyone will know you are my disciples if you preach the word well. Wait a minute, it doesn't say that. Everyone will know your disciples, you're my disciples if you live a perfect life. No, wait, it doesn't say that either. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. What if you love one another? So that's what we need to prioritize. We need to prioritize community. Number two, our second reason is because it helps us to become more like Jesus. If you've been around New Life for longer than two seconds, you will know that this is what we're about. We are about people becoming more like Jesus, more people, more like Jesus. And that's a fun slogan, if you will. It's a catchphrase that a lot of people know. But how do we measure this? If we're a church who is all about seeing more people more like Jesus, what's the next step? How can we get a handle upon that? How can we say, oh, you know what? This time, 12 months ago, we are way more like Jesus than we were 12 months ago. We are on a journey of discipleship. We're on a journey of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. And so what I think we need to do and what we're doing as a team is putting in some measures to help us actually track how we're going with this. And so one of the easiest cheat sheets to become more like Jesus is just to do what Jesus did. It's that simple. Not only what he says to do, but to do how he does it, his method. And so what we see is we see Jesus prioritise relationship first up. In Matthew 4, we have this idea that he, uh, Matthew 3 it starts, where he's baptised, he goes out into the wilderness, he's tested, he goes into a local town and preaches that the kingdom of God is near. And then in, in chapter 4, we see what he's very intentional with. Matthew 4, 11, it says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called to them, and immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. Raises a question. Have you, like Jesus, been intentional with asking a group of people to come into your life? Have you, like Jesus, been intentional with asking a group of people into your life? What does that look like for you? If that was one of the first things Jesus prioritised, why do we think that we don't need to? If it's what the Son of God thought was important, how can we then say, oh, it's not really for me. I don't don't really need that. Or I've tried that. It didn't work out too well. I'm sure Jesus had many moments where he doubted his small group. 
where he looked around and said, oh, Anna, can I get a different small group? I don't like mine. <laughs> oh, there's someone who's so annoying. He doesn't believe anything I say. He just asks questions all the time. Oh, there's this guy. I don't even think he likes me. I think he's going to like fully betray me. He doesn't have my back. He's going to stab me in the back. My small group isn't always for me. We don't get on all that well. There would have been plenty of moments that Jesus said that about his small group. But Jesus knew that he wanted to create an environment around him, a group of guys, a small group to do life with, to rub shoulders with, to celebrate with, to go on adventure with, to go on mission with, to pray with, to open the scriptures with. He wanted all these things with a group of people. He also wanted a group of people around him for when times got really hard, for when trials came, for when he needed to rely on them for support, for prayers, for when he felt weak to surround him with. He needed people to share his, his dreams and his longings with, his desires, his hope for the future. Jesus had around him a group of people that he could do all these things with. My question is, do you? Do you have a group of people where you challenge one another, where you dive into the scriptures, where you tell them what's going on in your life, where you, where you share when you're in the valleys or on the mountains, where you share your job promotion or your job loss? Do you have a group of people around you like Jesus did to do life with? And if you think you don't need one, you're at the top of the list. You definitely need one. If Jesus was intentional with building community around his life, why don't we do also? Prioritize community. Build people around you that are going to encourage you. If Jesus did it, we definitely need to do it. And thirdly, our priorities. So first we've had we've cre we're created for community. Second, if Jesus did this, gosh, so do we. And third is because I believe if we glue people into community, we will set and prioritize a roadmap for health. We will prioritize a roadmap for health. We want to see more people more like Jesus. We want to gather the lost, but we want to prioritize health rather than growth. But let me let you, let me let you in on a little secret. Healthy things grow. So if we prioritize health, we're going to see a lot of growth. And I believe that God is doing something special and, and amazing in this place where we are seeing growth happen, but we also want to make sure it's healthy. So why don't we mimic from a church that absolutely uh, bounded in health, was exploding in growth. Why don't you come with me to Acts chapter 2? We're going to see how the early church did this so well. Acts chapter 2, it's going to be on the slides. We read, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone to who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. 
and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like something that we would love to see in this church. We would love to see amazing miracles happening and and breakthrough and healing and prayer. We also want to see large gathered worship. We want to see a, a place of hospitality and sharing in scripture and prayer. These are all the things that make up what we believe a good, healthy church. But if we take particular interest into their rhythm, I want to show you that we see two things happening in their rhythm of how they worshipped God and how they prioritised community. We see two things. They worshipped in what? The temple courts. And secondly, in their homes. They gathered for large worship and they also met in small groups. These are the two things that we want to be intentional with this year. These are the two things, the two priorities that we believe if we glue into community well, we're going to see our large gathered worships be healthy and flourish and grow. And we also believe that we'll see our small group gatherings be healthy, flourish and grow. These are two things that we as a church want to prioritise, we want to get excited about because we believe that that will lead us on a roadmap to health. It'll help position us in a way where we're able to go where God is leading us and to bring people along the journey, where we gather the lost and bring them into something that is healthy, bring them into something that actually shows the heart of God in a really good and sincere way. So they... They prioritise temple courts and also in their homes. We're going to prioritise large gatherings of worship like we are this morning, both here in the room and in our online community. And we also want to do small groups. So first of all, large gathered worships. It is so beautiful. I don't know if you're like me, but being in this environment, something comes alive in me. I love being surrounded by people who who worship God and and large gatherings. There's something powerful when we gather. And and one of the things that we noticed in our pastoral team is that whenever we've had to uh, realign and shift and be agile and had to transition our physical gatherings to online, we have a whole host of you saying, I just can't wait to get back. I just can't wait to be in an environment where we can be with one another And yes, for time in the courtyard and and community, but also because something special happens when we gather and we worship together. And so many of you express that desperation to get back to gathered worship. And, And it's something that we enjoy and that we feel alive in. But one of the things that is that tension within my pastoral heart is that we have this this extreme like desperation to be back into the room, to be back online, to, to gather and to worship. But then when we look at some of the statistics, when we look at some of the attendance and the regular rhythms, we see that one in four weeks, sorry, one out of four weeks is what we call regular church attendance. So for someone who is bought in, who is committed, who is on mission for where new life is going, you as a regular part of the family, the trends show comes one out of four weeks. So that means that in this vision month, a person is hearing one out of four of our priorities. A person is maybe over the span of a year enjoying communion three or four times a year. 
celebrating in baptism, maybe once or twice a year, hearing our missions partners and updates from what's happening over in other parts of the world. Again, maybe three or four times a year. And where the disconnect can sometimes come is that we're passionate about large gatherings. We enjoy being in the environment where we, where we get to rub shoulders with one another and to praise and worship our King. But sometimes it doesn't always align with our habits. And it's something that we're probably just all guilty of because things come up. And that's okay. I'm not here to say like, you have to be in church every week. But what I would say is let's just turn up the heat a bit. Imagine next year if we say that, oh, if you're a regular at New Life, you come three out of four times a week, a month. Where we, where we, yeah, you can come three times a week. (laughs) Got one amen. Um, Where we're able to opt in rather than opt out. Where we kind of say no to other things that come up because we're so bought into what's happening here where we want to be in the environment to see what God is doing, to see how he's growing in the people's lives around us, where we get to serve and honour him, not only in our worship, but in our community and in our gatherings. I believe that God is doing something new here. I believe that he is moving amongst us. Do you not perceive it? Or the question could be posed, are you here to perceive it? I believe as a church community, we just want to be all in. We want to see what will happen when we, when we buy into this place to be present, to be here, not once a month. Let's turn it up more. Let's commit. Let's make 2022 the year that we prioritize gathering as a large church, as a large gathering in church. Because if we can see anything from the the movement that happened in the early church, what did God do? He added to their numbers daily. It was a healthy church. They gathered the lost and they glued them into community. These are some measures where we can see that God is uh, helping us to become more like Jesus. We can be a healthy church, not just a large church. We can grow in our gathering, both large but also small. You know, Sunday gatherings are not enough. There's there's this idea that we we want more. We want more community. We want more of a sense of, of being known. And this idea of subdividing into smaller groups is definitely not a new thing. You know, back in Exodus 18, we've got Moses and he is the lead pastor and he has two million in his congregation. I thought our ratios were bad. One for two million, that's next level. And he got to a point where he realized that he could not satisfy the needs of his congregation. He, didn't, he couldn't find a system where he could actually hear the needs, therefore, to be able to care for people. People want to be noticed and they want to be known. And in that environment, Moses had capped a ceiling. He wasn't able to do it. And so the wise counsel was to, hey, why don't you create small groups? Why don't you create smaller groups with leadership around them so that people can be noticed and known? So that people can have uh, leaders and, and companions and peers in their world so that they can know what's going on, so that we can care for those needs. 
And can I say that Sundays, they're not enough. Our pastoral team is one of the best that I've ever seen. But we are not enough. We can't rely on these large gatherings alone. We can't just worship in the temple courts. We also need to have an idea where we can gather together in smaller groups, where we can be noticed and known, where we can have people in our world that celebrate the good and they can come alongside us in the bad. What does a system look like in your life to have people around you who know what's happening in your world, who can come alongside you and pray, who can celebrate with you, who can enjoy the good, the, all that's happening, but also pray for you when, things, when times are hard? What would that look like for you to have that in your life? And we will let you down. If we were to do an exercise right now where I said, how many of you have met with me one-on-one or met with any of our pastors one-on-one, it would, thanks Michael, um, there, would, there would not be every hand up. But I can dream of a day when I said, hey, who's met with their small group leader one-on-one? And every single hand in this room goes up. Every single person online can say, oh yeah, that's me. Because we've created a system where we can say, hey, we want to know you and we want to love you and we want to care for you because we are in, invested in your discipleship. We want you to see uh, more people more like Jesus. We want to be on that journey with you. And so today I hope that we, we recognise the need for something beyond Sunday. We want to be bought into Sunday. We want to gather on Sundays. We want to be committed on Sundays and turn up to create a community where the lost come in and they, they see health and they see thriving. But also we want to be a community that goes beyond that. We want to worship in the temple courts, but also in people's homes. Who in your life can celebrate when that, that wayward son or daughter who you've been praying for together for years, receives the salvation from the Lord? Who in your life is able to come alongside you and encourage you and to say, oh, hey, mate, you, you are just becoming more and more like Jesus. I, I see you make that decision there. And that's not a decision that you would have made 12 months ago. But wow, you're actually, you're doing some of the stuff that we're reading about in the Bible. Good on you. Keep going. I'm championing you. I'm here alongside you. Who in your life might come alongside you and say, you're making some strange decisions or what's going on here? It doesn't seem like you. Are you okay? Or perhaps you're going, oh, I think I'm throwing the whole God thing out. It's not working for me. God just feels so distant. And, and they can come alongside you, look in your eyes and say, hang in there. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. We're in this together. If you're thinking... Anna, I don't have those people in my world. I don't have a community like that. Look around. We have a community like that. We just need to be intentional with it. So, so think what it could mean today if you were to join a small group, to create an intentional group like Jesus did and journey together to become more like Jesus. We have some incredible, incredible people in the room. Small group leaders. And small group leaders, I'm biased because I'm a small group pastor, but I think that small group leaders 
are so incredible because they are sacrificial, they are generous, they are hospitable. Week in, week out, they create an environment for you to feel safe, where you belong, when they feel like it and when they don't. They are there for you. They are there to create amazing community. And so I want to give them, in a moment, well, actually, no, that moment's now, I would love for all of our small group leaders in the room and online to stand with me. If you're a small group leader, stand on up. And I wanna encourage you, every single small group leader in this room, Val, stand up. (laughs) Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for opting in to something that is so special. Thank you for creating a place where people belong, where people are able to bring their questions, to bring their concerns, their prayer requests. Thank you for not judging, but loving. Thank you for being on the journey with them. Thank you for all that you do that is seen and unseen, all the cups of tea that you make, all the house tidying that you do, all the little things that you do to create an environment, a safe place for people to belong. The the results of that will be far more greater than you could ever imagine. So thank you for all that you do and for who you are. Can we honour these guys? We have a moment today after the service where we've got a whole bunch of small group leaders. They're going to be out in the courtyard uh, at the marquee at the very back so that even when you're about to leave, you can be reminded. (laughs) But we would love for you to consider what it looks like for you to join a small group in 2022, to be intentional not only with our large gathering here, but also our small gatherings in homes. And you might be thinking, Anna, I've tried it. It's not for me. Can I just say, give it another go? Give it another shot. Because if it was what Jesus prioritized, we also want to prioritize it. And these small group leaders will just take uh, some of your details to uh, include your information for contact. And um, the amazing Marcel Fricker, who is one of the most thorough and caring and loving people I know, will get in contact with you to talk about next steps. But we would love for you to consider being in an environment where you're created for community, where you're doing something that Jesus did and where you're helping to build health into our church a roadmap to health and to growth and for a place where the lost can be found. So would you consider that today? Would you consider that, what that could look like this year? There's also an option for you if you're like, I don't even need to consider it, I'm in. Uh, On the QR code, there will be a link for you to put those details in electronically or if you need to head out after the service, you've got commitments and you don't have time to head to the tent, I just encourage you to do that now. You can scan the QR code on the back of your seat Click small groups or something. Yep, there you go. Click small groups and uh, fill out that form because you're not going to regret it. You're investing time into something that God is going to help you flourish in Him. It'll be a great decision that you make this year. So would you join me as I pray? 
Oh, whoops, I was going to ask you to stand. <laughs> Forgot that part. Stand with me. <laughs> if you're watching online, how about you stand up where you are as well? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that is gathered here this morning in the room and watching online. Lord, I thank you that these people recognise the importance of gathering in large worship. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be even more passionate, even more committed, even have more fervour for wanting to gather in your worship. Lord, I pray as worlds increase to get busy and priorities seem at tension, Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit, will you help us to be committed to gathering together for worship, to not grow tired of doing what is good. Hebrews 10, it says to continue to gather with one another, to prioritise that. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. So Lord, I pray that you'll impress on our hearts a desire to want to glue into community and to worship you. And Lord, for those who you're speaking to right now to consider joining a small group or to try that again or to up their commitment in what that looks like. Or gosh, even for those who you're calling to small group lead. I thank you, Lord, that we can gather in groups where we can get to know one another. We can come alongside one another and encourage each other in our journey and pursuit of you. Lord, I pray that your voice will speak louder than the doubts, distractions or excuses, Lord. God, will you help us to prioritise that this year? I thank you for what you're going to do in and through this community. And we're sensitive and aware and alert to what you're calling us to this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How about we respond in worship in something that we declare about the goodness of God and who He is. So would you join us as we sing?